0: Good morning. (laughs) I am so thankful to be with you today. My name is Rochelle, if we haven't met, and I am the Children's and Youth Director here at St. Andrews. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I would love to meet you after the service. Please come say hi. Um, A little bit about me that you might not know is I grew up in the city and I know very little about animals. <laughs> you know, Dave came up here a few weeks ago and he said, "By the time I was 8, I was practically an expert in animals." <laughs> and I could not relate <laughs> to that at all. I think you know, my experience with animals was probably Steve Irwin and he would say like, "Crikey, she's a beauty." And then he'd wrestle an alligator and <laughs> That was my experience. But they didn't showcase domesticated animals, right? So the only time I got to see animals like that was the county fair or maybe a petting zoo. And in particular, when you see sheep, they kind of don't do anything. You know, they're kind of boring, <laughs> if we're honest. They just go, but and, and graze, And you're like, OK, you know what? I'm going to go watch the pig races because that's That's pretty cool. Um, Am I the only one in this boat? Who here grew up without any domesticated farm animals in their life? Yeah? Yeah. I don't, I'm not alone, right? Who here had sheep? Yes! I want to learn from you! (laughs) Teach me, teach me about sheep. Um, So, as I was growing up in church, we talked a lot about sheep, even though I practically knew nothing about them, um, because we, we love to talk about sheep in church. We love Psalm 23. It's one of the most beloved songs of all time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we love to teach that to children, saying, God will protect you. God knows you. God will care for you and love you like a shepherd loves his sheep. And we love to teach teenagers about Jesus chasing after the one and leaving the 99 because we want them to know that no matter where you wander, Jesus still is chasing after you and wants you. And as an adult, we come back to these stories because we love the image of God taking care of us, of God being the person who makes us lie down in green pastures, of restoring our soul. But in my experience with church and talking about sheep, I don't know if this was explicitly stated, but the internalized message that I got was the reason God uses this metaphor is because sheep are dumb. <laughs> and that's to show how people are dumb. <laughs> but I really don't think that that was the point <laughs> of that metaphor, right? Um, so I did a little bit of researching this, these past couple weeks to try and figure out what sheep are actually like, <laughs> because I, I know very little. So, if you would learn some facts with me. I'm going to spout some off. Um, Sheep are around the same intelligence as cows or your dog. If you feel a little offended for your dog right now, just know I felt the same. (laughs) But that's because I grew up thinking sheep are dumb. (laughs) Sheep can remember a face for up to two years by just seeing a picture. Sheep have absolutely no way of defending themselves. Attacked by a wolf, no way. Stuck in a ditch, no way. (laughs) They're just kind (laughs) of helpless. Sheep can hold grudges. Honestly, they will hold it against you. And sometimes we do that too. (laughs) Sheep have a greater instinct to follow than for self-preservation. I think this is where we get the notion that cheap are dumb, because they will literally follow each other off cliffs. But what they are is really good followers, because they've survived by sticking in a group, which is probably a big insight into our lives. Not to say that we're dumb, but to say that who we follow will determine the course of our lives. Sheep are highly social and emotionally complex creatures who get anxious when isolated. Sheep have best friends, closer bonds with some sheep more than others, and they've actually been known to forego looking for new places of food in order to stick together with their sheep. Sheep get stressed when approached by strangers. When depressed, sheep will hang their heads and avoid positive interactions. Isn't that just so sad that sheep get depressed? You're like, what do you have to be depressed about? You just graze all day. <laughs> but since they're so highly emotional, emotionally complex and social, if they lose a sheep friend, they care, and they feel that loss. I'm wondering, Can you see yourself in any of these descriptions? Have you come today approaching God, knowing that God has made you intelligent and wonderful, a masterpiece and a poem, and you are utterly dependent on him, dependent for food, for life, for rest, for protection? Do you ever feel isolated and stressed out? holding on to unforgiveness. I'm wondering if there's anyone in this room who's gotten worn out from fighting a battle you weren't really made for. When the attack comes, your job is to get to the shepherd. Get as close as you can and follow his voice and let him fight for you. Our passage today is probably a familiar one to many of you, but I'm hoping as we explore who Jesus says he is, as both the gate and the shepherd, that we have a renewed confidence to boldly approach him, enter in, and be led onward. So, like sheep, let's chew on the word of God together as we read John 10, 1 through 21. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The word of the Lord. So Jesus starts by telling a story, as Jesus often does. And when the story is done, we read in verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Do you ever feel that way? (laughs) Like, Jesus, what? (laughs) You have used very few words, and in all those few words, I know they make sense, and I do not understand (laughs) at all. But here in the verse, the disciples are kind of like the sheep in the story. Notice in the passage that the sheep don't follow the shepherd because they understand what he's saying. They follow because they know his voice. Have you ever had a time in your life like that where you had no clue as to what God was leading you in and yet you knew it was God? You had a knowing beyond understanding In fact, the idea of knowing him and his voice is repeated over and over again throughout the passage. It's one of the key themes. Jesus is saying, Do you know me? Understanding what I'm doing in your life or where I'm leading you is not the primary goal of this relationship. It's to know me as I know you. And here Jesus is trying to let us know more of himself by showing us that he is the gate and he is the shepherd. When it comes to the Bible specifically in understanding Jesus, I have a theory. I think that we often don't understand what Jesus is saying because we don't know the context or the references that are being made, and I think the disciples don't understand what Jesus is saying because they do know the context and the references that are being made, and it's just outrageous what Jesus is saying. So normally I would go through the passage verse by verse, but today we're gonna jump around a little bit because Jesus is making a lot of references to other parts of scripture in this metaphor, and we're not going to be able to get through most most of it, (laughs) I promise. But we're going to start with the gate slash door. In some of your Bibles this might say door, some it might say gate, others might say entrance. That's okay, all the same. Just know that these are the same word and I honestly don't think the gate door slash, slash door gets recognition it deserves. You know, if we went around the room and we said, let's shout out the things that we love about Jesus. Inevitably, someone would be like, "I love Jesus because Jesus is the shepherd," and we would shed a tear. And we'd be like, "Yes, Jesus is the shepherd," but if somebody shouted out, "I love Jesus because Jesus is the door," <laughs> we would look at them like, "Yeah, that's that's biblical. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, though." <laughs> but we would not So, sorry, sorry. So, let's start with the first time. The door is mentioned in the Bible. Can anyone guess where it is? Shout it out if you got it. Noah's Ark? That's a good guess. Any other? Okay, it's actually before that, it's in Genesis 4. When God says to Cain, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. It doesn't say sin is lurking at your door, like it's a metaphorical door to his heart. It's Sin is at the door. There is a physical entrance somewhere. But this is the first that it's mentioned. So what is God talking about? Well, if you think about it, they're still in Eden, and there's only one entrance exit that we've heard about, and that is the exit They they come out of the Garden of Eden, which is now closed to them. The door is closed. The gate is shut. Cherubim are guarding the entrance with flaming swords. To try and come back would mean death. No one is coming back into the place where heaven and earth are one where eternal life is offered in the tree of life. And here God is saying, you know that creature that deceived your parents in there? It's lurking at the door to try to overtake you too. Your parents had their test to face, and you have your own. And their failure doesn't have to be yours. You can be victorious. So the door is the way back into the garden. But if you're not yet convinced that the gate slash door is the entrance to the garden, we can move forward in the story a little bit and see the first time something is ever anointed because when something was anointed, it was seen as something or someone set apart as being in the presence of God even while on earth. It was like an Eden hotspot. So, does anyone know what the first object is that's ever anointed in the Bible? A door? No. No, that's close. It's a rock. (laughs) Jesus is the rock, so that makes sense. Um, It's in Genesis 28 when Jacob is resting his head on a rock and he has this dream that angels are descending and ascending upon this ladder and he says how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of god and this is the gate of heaven the gate or the door is the entrance to heaven on earth which is what eden is so when jesus says i am the gate He could very well mean, I am the anointed one, the Messiah, the place where heaven and earth meet. But I think Jesus is going even a step further than this. I think Jesus was saying, I am the gate, that every mention of gates was speaking of. Every other object or person that was anointed was a gate because they were in me, in my presence. I am the entrance to heaven to the garden, to the presence of God. I am the way back home and I am not shut off. I've come to you and I'm offering myself to you. Come follow me. How beautiful is that? Jesus is the gate and because Jesus' spirit lives in us, we are also gates in Christ. We have the entrance to heaven with us wherever we go. In your workplaces, in your schools, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, you bring the gate to life, abundant and eternal life, because you have Christ in you. So the next time you're shouting about why you love Jesus, this might be one of them. Okay, point number one, done. Are you still with me? That was a lot of information. Yeah, we're here, okay, great. (laughs) Now we're gonna talk about the shepherd. We love the shepherd metaphor, and so does the Bible, because there's over 300 references to shepherds. But out of all the places in Scripture, I think there's one specific passage that Jesus is primarily referencing when he's calling himself the Good Shepherd, and that is Ezekiel 34. I'm going to read it, and you can follow along if you'd like to find the the Bibles in your pews. Um, And I want you to listen for some of the parallels that Jesus might have been drawing on when he is talking in John 10. Okay, you ready? It's a long passage. The word of the Lord came to me, mortal prophesy, that's Ezekiel, came to Ezekiel. Mortal prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and scattered they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild animals. Since there was no shepherd, And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they may not be food for them. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds. And he's not talking about the literal shepherds. He's talking about the people who would have been leading Israel, the kings. And in Jesus's day, I think it's fair to say the Pharisees as well, since they were leaders at the time. And God says, I'm going to rescue my sheep out of your hands because. You've been using them to feed yourselves, slaughtering them, using their wool, leaving them scattered and vulnerable to attack rather than feeding, protecting, and caring for them as you should have been. These shepherds are the thieves and bandits who haven't entered by the gate. They're the hired hands who left at any sign of trouble, the ones who have come before him whose voices the sheep did not recognize. So, God is going to step in and be the shepherd of his people themselves, himself, and the passage goes on to say that God will step, will set over his sheep, his servant David, and the people who were listening to Jesus and were making the connection to this passage would probably be thinking that Jesus was supposed to be their new king, which is true, and It goes beyond that. Jesus is also saying, I am God. I am the true shepherd. These sheep are my own because I made them. And I'm bringing in other sheep, the Gentiles, because I made them too. They belong to me too. And God describes what he'll do as a shepherd. And we read this and can see this in Jesus' ministry. We know that this passage in Ezekiel was meant for Israel at a specific time in their exile, but it's also meant for us today. So I would love if while I read this, the passage, some of the quotes from what God will do as a shepherd, you might take a moment, close your eyes if you want, and truly listen to maybe something that God is reaching out to do for you today. As a shepherd, God says, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. Where do you need to be sought by God? Where do you feel lost? Let God find you there. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered. Where do you feel scattered? Where do you feel like the pieces of your heart, soul, and mind are fractured from one another? Let God meet you there. I will bring them into into their own land. Where do you feel you need to be brought to for rest, protection, and provision? Let God bring you. I will feed them with good pasture. I will make them lie down. The mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. Where do you feel like you're hungry and need to be fed? Not just your body, but your heart, your soul, your mind. Where do you need to lie down and rest and let God lead you? Where do you feel like you need the perspective of the mountaintop in your life? If you look down at the valley of your everyday, Life below, is there a place that needs water? A place that needs light? Have weeds started to encroach around the life in bloom? I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. Where do you feel wounded and weak? Where, when pushed, does it hurt? Let God bind you up and strengthen you there. If while we were going through those someone else popped into your mind, pray for them. You never know how God might answer those prayers. We need God as our shepherd, the one who leads us in all these things. Amen? And we need Jesus as the door and the gate, always open to us to enter the presence of God. But I think there's one other metaphor that I'd like us to explore, and that's Jesus as the Lamb. It's not directly in this passage, but in the narrative, we're approaching the cross. It's coming soon. And John's had his eye on the lamb from the beginning, as John the Baptist declares that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In some amazing way, Jesus is both the shepherd who leads us and protects us, and the sheep who experience being left to the thief to be stolen killed and destroyed in our place, all at the same time. Like the sheep of Ezekiel 34, he was hungry and couldn't find pasture, was driven out into the wilderness and left vulnerable to attack, needed rest and couldn't find a place to lie down, had wounds that needed binding. He took all the failure of the shepherds who came before On himself and then stepped in to be the shepherd we needed all along. Jesus chose to be a sheep with us, needing other sheep, being isolated, anxious, and alone, sad beyond comprehension. And yet Jesus was never truly defenseless. In our passage in John he says he gives up his life for the sheep. No one takes it from him and yet he chose to give up his protection chose to be defenseless, to be with us even to the point of death. You know, there's one last thing about the gate that I didn't touch on because I wanted to save it for last. There was a literal gate called the Sheep Gate that Jesus would have entered into when he came to Jerusalem. It still fits the theme of the gate being the entry to heaven and on earth, because the temple was seen as the new hotspot of God's presence, the new Eden. The Sheep Gate was so named because it was where the sheep would be brought through on their way to be sacrificed at the temple. In Nehemiah, we read, It was the first gate to be restored upon the return to exile, and it's the only one built by the priests and high priest. It's the only one set apart as holy. Jesus says in verse 9 and 10 of our passage in John, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved And will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you think about it, if the sheep were entering the sheep gate, they weren't going to be coming back out. They were going to be sacrificed. They we're going to be cut and burned just like anyone trying to get back in to Eden would be cut and burned by the flaming swords of the cherubim. But Jesus is saying, my sheep will go in and come out and find pasture. In one sense, I think it's because he became the lamb sacrificed for all. Sorry? the others so that he can go so that they could enter the gate back to heaven back to eden in another sense i think that while we're waiting for death to be made no more this is part of what it looks like to have abundant life with jesus to be able to live our lives following the shepherd's voice and finding pasture finding provision and rest and comfort and to be able to pass through death and find that we are still led to good pastures, having provision, rest, and comfort with our shepherd. If you've lost someone recently, or not so recently, I hope that this brings you comfort today. That abundance is eternal in Christ. That Jesus as our shepherd never leaves us alone. That even when we feel separated, We are all one flock with one shepherd who has triumphed over death. So my question today is, do you know Jesus as the gate? Or have you tried to enter into abundant life another way? Do you know Jesus as your shepherd? Can you recognize his voice? If the answer is no, Maybe this is your first Sunday, stepping into a church, or maybe you've been coming to church your whole life. I think this is an invitation to come and know it. Draw near to him, listen to God in prayer, read the scriptures, live life among the other sheep who know his voice. And if you've had the amazing gift of knowing the shepherd's voice, of knowing you are one of his own and he cares for you, has laid down his life for you, picked it back up and led you on, then this is your opportunity to ask God, who in your life needs to know Jesus? Because there is no other entrance. Jesus is the gate. And there's no other voice to follow that will lead to life, eternal and abundant life. We have our fall kickoff coming next week, and if there was ever an opportunity to get to know the sheep, that know the shepherd, it's probably sitting around a table eating tacos. So please pray and ask Jesus about who needs to know him as the gate and as the shepherd. We have some flyers on the welcome table that you can take with you, but honestly, Nothing beats just asking someone in person, face-to-face knowing that you have the gate with you and the shepherd's voice will lead you in this too. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for all that you are, for all that you've done, the fact that you know us and you care for us. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that more And help us to follow your voice, to know your voice. Please be with us as we're praying this week. And bring to mind someone that we can be praying for. Someone who doesn't know you. God, please save the lost. And please help us to be a part of that. We ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen.